Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, we are recording this, what is it, five or six minutes uh, after the end of Tottenham 1, Manchester City 0. Uh, in, uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us have ever enjoyed a Tottenham uh, victory Adrian and James are here. Adrian uh, Clark and James McNicholas. Hello, guys. Hello. 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 It's a weird feeling, wasn't it? We thought we were going to ask you about how we break the the Goodison hoodoo, but um, you know, I, I always go with chicken entrails or anything like that. That seems to be my go-to. But we actually <laughs> were thinking, how did you cope with wanting Tottenham to win? And we all wanted Tottenham to win today, did we not, Adrian? How did you cope with it? We did, yeah, absolutely. We want what's best for Arsenal. And what's yeah. best for Arsenal today is is a Spurs win against Manchester City. And we, we got... We got a wish. So how did you how did you cope with that sort of dirty, really almost hating yourself you, feeling? Of yeah, to I win mean the it's game? true. I did out loud once say, "Go on, Harry," <laughs> at one point, which I don't know if I've ever done before. So that was a bit weird. That was when he he, he wriggled through, almost scored a second goal. It was a brilliant save, wasn't it, from Edison? With I've his, always with his I've leg. always liked him. Yeah, always exactly. Him, yeah. He, he's, a, he's a gooner anyway. We've seen we've all seen the pictures. <laughs> he's a gooner, of course he is. But now it, it, you do feel dirty. But I, I felt strangely calm during the game because it, if Spurs won, it was great for us, and and it, and if City won, well, it was Tottenham had lost. Yeah, it was Spurs got beat. So you know, <laughs> win win. Like, really, I, I felt like it was a win win scenario. Um, and and do you know what? The fact that Tottenham had Christian Romero sent off. <laughs> Every time I watch him, I think he comes close to getting sent off. Um, but the fact that he did get get red carded also weakens them for the next game. So there's a little bonus point there as well. Lovely, James. Uh, how are you feeling after all that? I mean, I, I you've taken off the Tottenham scarf you were wearing a second ago. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, well. It's certainly made my weekend a little bit sunnier than it had been yes. previously. Um, I deliberately avoided watching the game so as to not have to suffer really? the kind of existential question of am I cheering for Spurs here but then you know we were waiting to do the podcast and I did switch on the last few minutes I watched the stoppage time period and uh, I allowed myself a fist pump for sure uh, when, <laughs> when the whole time was all blue <laughs> um, yeah I, I, it's great news all round for Arsenal because obviously City lose but also Spurs don't get to fully enjoy their victory because they'll no. be fully aware that they've done us a favour there. Massive. And I know plenty of Spurs fans who prior to this game are like happy for us to lose this one, to be honest. You know, last thing they want is Arsenal winning the league. So <laughs> it's win-win for us. <laughs> I went all in, by the way. I went all in. I actually <laughs> said it's a one-time deal. I'm only saying this once, but in this particular case, needs must come on you Spurs. <laughs> and there were plenty of people on Twitter who said never say that, never. 
And I'm like, what? Why? Don't we want them to win today? Don't we? And if and by the way, if you don't want them to win today, why do you want Arsenal not to win the title? Or mm. you want them to win the title less than me? Because and, uh, and, uh, you know. Sorry, Ian, but I was just gonna say. And also, this was one of City's tougher games. Like when you look at City's fixture list, especially given their record at, at, at Tottenham, this is one that everyone will have been looking at, thinking they could drop points here. And after what happened at Goodison Park, which I'm sure we'll come on to, of course that was. You know, that was all the more the case. We sort of, it's not the case that we needed City to drop points here, but I think had they won, it would have felt like a momentum shift in the race. And as it is, well, we're kind of as we were. This is not going to be a, a rose pathway. You know, this is going to be tricky, difficult. You're going to have to react to disappointment. You're going to have to dig in and, and we're going to have to play better than what we've done today for sure. It was a difficult uh, uh, game, 1-0. I mean, Adrian, actually, no, James, I want to start with you, right? It's, an, it's a long, unbeaten run in the league we had. We hadn't lost in the league since, what, October? And uh, as our manager said, there are going to, uh, there are going to be bigger stones in the river. Interesting. We see it as a drive, don't we? Whereas the Spanish see it more as a sort of nautical journey. <laughs> James, you said it. I've seen you sit there uh, on this pod saying there are going to be bumps in the road. Uh, here we are. Uh, Everton away. I mean, there's a whole load of reasons, but that that was definitely there, a banana skin, if you like. And uh, we slipped wholeheartedly, didn't we, really? We did. And it was. I got the train up very early Saturday morning. I was chatting to a few Arsenal fans on Nervous. the way. and There was a bit of trepidation, I thought, from mm. the supporters I spoke to. There were just a few ingredients that Arsenal don't tend to fare well with. There was the, the new manager bounce, a lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday is never too popular with the Arsenal fans, especially away from home. Uh, the manager of the month curse, of course, which <laughs> does appear to follow Mikel Arteta around. Also, by the way, Everton away as well. And Everton away. Yeah. So, you know, there was there were some nerves. And I think those probably would have been heightened when they got into the stadium and saw, oh, this place is alive again. You know, this place is energised, as yeah. you'd expect after a managerial appointment. I think playing Everton... Yesterday or on Saturday, a very, very different thing to play in Everton a week or two ago uh, towards the end of Frank Lampard's reign. That said, you know, on, on paper, Arsenal absolutely still have the quality to beat Everton. It's, it's you know, top against bottom, effectively. And um, I think they'll come away really disappointed because on the day... Maybe it was the occasion. I think I think Sean Dyche did things tactically quite adeptly, but Arsenal didn't really get going and, and didn't play their game. Adrian, I wanted to ask you about the tactics. I mean, should, we got to give Sean Dyche some credit here, have we not? And Everton, the way they played. We know there's a new manager bounce, but, you know, we didn't get a free hit at Frank Lampard, which I feel really upset about, yeah. to be honest. But uh, but Dyche came in and organised a team that have played really poorly into a particular way of playing. And that nullified, to a certain extent, what we've been doing all season. It was one of the best tactical performances by a manager this season in the Premier League. To, to take a team that was in dire straits and... And, and turn them around in a matter of days to deliver what they did against us was pretty miraculous. I've got to say it was, it was outstanding. He, he nailed it with the, with the shape, obviously the four, five, one. So those three in midfield were really, really good. I thought Dekure, Gay and Anana in particular, and they, they really did sort of put their imprint on, 
on on Xhaka and Partey, and we couldn't get going. They left the fl- flanks free, um, so they packed that middle that middle area as, as they would. And what we did, and I yeah. thought it was a little bit too predictable. I have to say, if I'm going to be mildly critical of our approach, we put Martinelli and Saka super wide, basically chalks on uh, heels on the chalk, and they got a lot of the ball, particularly early on in the game, but. But Everton had a way of managing it and they doubled up on them with the wide guys. And every time Saka and Martinelli had it, they had two people on them and then they ended up coming inside or or playing a short pass. They weren't able to affect the game. So I think we were a little bit predictable in our approach. Didn't get going. Um, Their tempo was great. Super aggressive. And the key for me was were two things. One was knockdowns. Obviously, they picked up all the second balls, which was poor from our end. It probably comes down to appetite on Everton's behalf. And the main thing, and the reason we we lost the game, is corners. And um, and Sean Dyche identified a weakness in our defensive setup at corners. And they tried that same corner four, five, six times in the match. And eventually they scored from it. So... Um, that's a lesson for us to take into the next game. James? Yeah, I think Adrian makes a great point about the set pieces and I had a feeling they would be critically important in this match because Everton are a big side and it's an aspect of the game that Sean Dyche has already put a lo- always put a lot of focus on. And, you know, the, the goal comes from a Dwight McNeil corner and a James Tarkovsky header. It's the Burnley goal, effectively. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes when you see a goal from a set piece... You always look at your own team and I I think that's understandable and right. But actually, over the past couple of years, Arsenal's defensive record on set pieces is very strong. And I think sometimes you have to give credit to the opposition and say, you know, they must have looked at our setup, as Adrian suggests, and and found, uh, you know, an area they could exploit at that back post. And they did it brilliantly. Go on, James, go on. No, I was just going to say, I think Adrian's absolutely right as well about what happened in open play? You know, Everton were very compact, very narrow, and Arsenal did stick those wide players right on the touchline. My vantage point in the stands, the way it seemed to me, was that one of Arsenal's big problems is that's all very well and good, but what you have to do is shift the ball across the pitch to get it to those wide players really early at a point when they're still isolated one-on-one with a Seamus Coleman or whoever it might be, and there's space there to exploit. And I think Arsenal's, the speed at which they were moving the ball, I think the surface may have been a factor as well, as was the pressing that Everton were doing. You know, they, they were taking it down one flank, but by the time they worked it over to the other, Martinelli, Saka, whoever it was, was doubled up upon. And and we did slightly struggle. And I thought this was one of the first games where Arsenal missed Gabriel Jesus, actually, mm. for his ability to drop in, to drop out wide, to create those combinations and those overloads. I think... You know, Eddie's done a tremendous job and I think we've all been so impressed with him. But this was one of the days where you thought just a slightly different quality in that central striker, I think would have been really useful to Arsenal. Adrian? I I completely agree. I completely agree. I think on, because he he creates angles, Gabriel Jesus, that's what he does. Not just himself, but but to open up space for others. And we didn't create very good angles in the game. It was it was kind of straight lines. Second half was better. What you'll have noticed in the second half is instead of the players staying wide and, and receiving the ball on the touchline, we saw Saka and Martinelli make those darting runs inside to receive passes on the infield. And that's where we created some really good flowing moves in that second half. So th- I think it had been recognised in the dressing room and they made a change. 
Going to the corners, just breaking it down a little bit more. We've got a zonal setup, and then there are three man markers that are sort of in a line just behind the penalty spot. And it's Xhaka, Erdegaard and Thomas Partey. Now, Xhaka and Partey are big, obviously. Erdegaard is the weak link there. I think we can all recognise that. And Anana almost scored in the first half with one where they aimed at the fast stick. They, they went for two or three. Tarkovsky nearly scored with a far post one as well. Uh, Saliba did ever so well to sort of get back from a zonal position. For the goal, they isolated Odegaard, clearly again. But there's a really clever piece of play from Dekure, who basically stands on Saliba, who's the man at the far post zonal, and he blocks him. So when the ball is travelling in the air, Saliba, who in the first half backpedalled and got his head to the ball when Erdegaard was struggling, couldn't move. And it was a, it was an absolute oh. one-on-one and, and Erdegaard was never going to win that. So no. we, what we need to do, I think... <laughs> Different we, skill set, isn't it? Erdegaard yeah, and Tarkovsky. We, we've yeah. got a great record at defending corners. So it's not like it's been an issue, but other teams will look at that now, unfortunately, well. and say, well, we're going to try that. So we, we have to find a cure. This is what I wanted to ask you, not just about on set pieces. I'm talking about the way that they set up, funneling us, funneling it wide, uh, just letting Martinelli and Saka have it, but always their supporting uh, attacking player on either side would come back and help and make it two on one. Are other managers going to be watching that and going, that's how you play against them? Because this was, I mean, I thought this was probably the least effective performance maybe of the season, really. I mean, we made... Did Pickford have a huge amount to do, Adrian? Not really, did it? There was one no. off the line, wasn't there, from Sakharov? Hardly Sacrum. heard Erdegaard's name. No, no, it was poor from an attacking point of view. Um, didn't create anywhere near enough. So we are w- other people going to look at it? Yeah, they will, but they will. But we, we got new manager bounced. I mean, I, sorry to go back to that, but we absolutely did. That They ran, I don't know if you saw the stat on Match of the Day, that they ran three kilometres further than they've run in any game this season, Everton. So that makes a difference. They they and, grafted and, and they the made pitch, life James, so hard. The pitch, James, you mentioned the pitch. I mean, I I've, I've, I all I saw were for, was a few comments on pitch on on Twitter saying that Dice <laughs> had done whatever he'd done to the pitch, where he'd basically take a steamroller over it, or I don't know what he'd done, but it's something a combine harvester. It didn't look that bad, but no. it was slow for us, yeah, wasn't it? I. I I always hesitate to mention the pitch just because it sounds like quite a weak excuse. Given you that did it, mention the pitch. I know, I know. But even when I said it, I was like... <laughs> I, I, and, and whenever managers mention it, I'm always like, oh, come on, mate. It's the same for both teams. I will say the surface wasn't immaculate, but it is the same for both teams. Admittedly, it probably suited Everton more than it did us. I think, will other teams copy it? Is it a blueprint? Potentially. But I'm not sure... Mm other managers or coaches in this league are prepared to be quite as pragmatic as Sean Dyche is at times. I think he is so unapologetic about his approach and the situation that he's in at Everton where he's absolutely desperate for points. I actually think that most Premier League managers, and we're seeing, you know, it's interesting seeing the Southampton manager, Nathan Jones, having this kind of uh, post-match crisis where he was talking about, I've betrayed my principles. He wants to play. Yeah, I, I think I think most managers come into every game with an idea of their own principles and, you know, they won't uh, apply what Dyche did that rigidly. But I did have another thought watching this game, which, yes, yes, 
It was new manager bounce, absolutely. But I was also watching it and the way the players for Everton were responding and the way the fans of Everton were responding. And I was thinking, you know, Arsenal are a real scalp now. And it's a credit to Arsenal and how far they've come. And it's a compliment. But I think, yeah, that's something to be aware of as we enter the second half of the season, that we're not, no one be taking us lightly at this point in time. And for some teams who, you know, might be just sort of meandering towards mid-table, a home match against Arsenal could be their cup final, you know? And, and that's that's where we are at this point in time. So what I'm hoping, and the Spurs result is kind of, you know, allows me to say this and to think this and hope this, is that, that the Everton game provides Arsenal with an opportunity sort of a, a warning and then a chance to really refocus ahead of a hugely important period. And one thing I think is worth considering is that Arsenal played Manchester City last week. They play Manchester City again in those two weeks. I think those games will be inescapably in the minds of players at this point in time. However much coaching staff and players may say it's all about the next game, all about the next game. I think those City matches just loom so large in the side key. And I'm not saying that that, you know, is why Arsenal lost or that they weren't properly focused. But I, I do think that it may, it may have been a factor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the mad thing about all this, Adrian. You know, you, after yesterday, we lose to Everton and everyone's all a bit doom and gloom. Uh, City lose today. We win our next two home games, one against Brentford, one against Man City. We're eight points clear with a game in hand with only, whatever, 16 to go. I mean, and, and we know what we're like at home. Arsenal have played 11 of their 19 ma- away matches in the Premier League. City have played 11 at home. We have, you know, we have, we have Fortress Emirates. Today's result obviously helps massively. Uh, do you think the players are, to a certain extent, thinking ahead to, to the City game in a week and a half? I mean, we've got a very tough game. At They'll weekend. never admit it, but they probably are. Of course they yeah. are. But but you you can't afford to take your eye off the ball. I, I, I do think it's important. I don't want to over-egg it because it, you don't want to get cocky about the situation, but it's a definite advantage. And the fact is, we've got if we beat City in the game at Emirates Stadium, we can't come out of this season, two meetings with them, down can we we can afford to lose there and and we've not lost ground so it's such a good place to be to be in we can we can genuinely go and attack the match knowing that that a win would be a huge swing in our favor I've looked at the fixtures and I wouldn't swap ours for City absolutely no chance would I swap them they've got Chelsea Liverpool and I know Chelsea and Liverpool having bad seasons but they've got Chelsea and Liverpool at home. They've got us at home. They've got Newcastle at home. We know how stubborn they are. Some of their away games are tricky as well, by the way. They've got us, Brighton away, Brentford away. They're awkward. Fulham away. Probably yeah. they'll win it, but you never know. Palace and Forest, not easy games. Never easy. And then they've got the bottom three, but one of which does include Deitch, Balls, um, Everton. So, <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's... Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. swap ours for theirs, put it that As way. As we were. And, Go on, James. And also, well, I was just going to say, the second half of the season, playing those bottom three teams, the dynamic suddenly changes because, as, as Arsenal found out, maybe a little bit, they're fighting for their lives. And often, 
I, I, you know, this is pure anic- purely anecdotal. I've not got the stats to back it up, but I think often playing those teams who are fighting relegation, they can be some of your tougher matches. You know, I, I've got strong memories of, you know, Wigan coming to the Emirates Stadium and and winning against the odds in in those kinds of circumstances. Yes. So, my conviction, and it has been my conviction all along, is that both Arsenal and Manchester City Bumps in are going to drop points. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those weekends where they've both done it. I don't know if how many of those there'll be, but um, yeah, there's there's going to be bumps, like you say, and not not a uh, a pathway of roses. I think I must say <laughs> that's what we'd like—a pathway of roses to the league title. Um, Mikel Arteta, by the way, said, "I want the team to know how much I love them. I love them much more now than three hours ago, a week ago, a month ago, three months ago." Basically, saying Adrian, and we'll move on after this, but. Uh, they've earned our love at this point, haven't they? We know that they didn't play well. They know that they didn't play well. They got diced. New manager bounced. The pitch was like, you know, a battlefield. And uh, what are you going <laughs> to... Yeah. It wasn't, I'm just saying. Uh, what are you going to do, Adrian? Move on, right? Yeah, exactly. He was just giving them a cuddle, wasn't he? And just saying, it's, it's all right. I, we, we're still best of friends. I still believe in you guys. It was it's a and little we bit... we should too. That's the point. It was a little bit like Pep. When he sort of when they've had a bad performance or loss, he'll, he'll come out and say, "Oh, my team was so so good, so so good, amazing. We were brilliant." And and you know they weren't, but he's just trying to sort of lift lift spirits. I, th- I think that's what Mikel was doing there. I mean, two two losses, two games where we didn't create that much, um, two two blanks in front of goal. It's not great going into the Brentford game. We can't we can't be too cocky going into it, but yeah, and and Brentford are awkward opponents, but. You'd like to think that that the bounce back is gonna gonna come now. We do hope so. Uh, this is handbreak off the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Adrian Clark, and James McNicholas here. This is the weekend where Arsenal lost to Everton. Yesterday and today, not half an hour ago, Tottenham uh, beat Manchester City to leave things as they were uh, in the title race. A couple of good bits of news. 
James, Gabriel Martinelli has now officially signed on for four and a half years. I mean, it's fantastic news, isn't it? The guy is... We we have no idea how good he can be and he's playing for us and he wants to stay at our, at our club. I mean, that does say a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, look, this is terrific news and something Arsenal absolutely had to get done. I'm delighted that they have. Um, Martinelli has found a home at Arsenal. He seems to absolutely love life in North London. And uh, you know, he's, he's, the way in which he's broken into the team and you know made that spot his own is remarkable. I mean, n- not to put a downer on things, but I was quite interested on social media during the Everton game. I, I read quite a lot of criticism of Martinelli. And over the past few weeks, I have seen people kind of querying his form, which I do understand, but I just think he's so electric. He's such a useful weapon to have uh, at Mikel Arteta's disposal and he can make things happen out of absolutely nothing. I think I think that there's more to come from him, as good as he's been, and I'm really excited to see that happen over the next, well, four and a half years. Yeah, quite. James, I mean, he's he's you know one of the one of the best young Brazilian talents, and he wants to play for us. I mean, we have to take it as a big endorsement of how the club is being managed and run. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think, in the wake of the uh, Caicedo saga, there was a lot of people saying, you know, why don't why don't these big clubs go and scout young players and bring them in and develop them themselves? You know. And Martinelli is a perfect example that Arsenal have done that from time to time. And when you look at what was paid for him and what he must be worth on the market now, it's an extraordinary success. And, you know, Arsenal's front four, uh, front, uh, well, the four, the quartet that you could field of Emil Smith-Rowe, Gabriel Martinelli, Bukayo Saka and Eddie Nketiah, you know, you're only talking about Martinelli for whom there was a fee. And, you know, that's pretty good going. Adrian, how does it feel in the dressing room in those moments when a, a young talent or a, or a really big talent signs for the club and, and gives them that vote of confidence? I think it is. A, yeah, I think you're right. That's what it is. It's a vote of confidence that I think staying here will fulfil my ambitions. That's what, what Martinelli's saying, isn't it? You only get one career. You want to win stuff. And it, by signing, because he knows everyone else wants him, by signing, he's saying, "Well, no, I'm, this is this is where I think we're. I think we're going to win loads of stuff, and I want to be a part of it. And and just sending that message to your mate, Saka, or or to Saliba, is a real lift, I think. So and, th- and to <laughs> us as well, Adrian, yeah, and to the fans. So yeah, it's it is, and it and it not makes a change, but it's nice that we're in that position yeah. now where our best young players aren't looking elsewhere. They aren't fluttering their eyelids at, at other clubs. They're they're sort of desperate to commit their futures to to us, which which is awesome. Um, so yeah, look, hopefully Saka and Saliba will, will, will follow in in due next. course. I'm sure they will. And then uh, David Moyes in the summer. Um, David Moyes, sorry. <laughs> and then Declan Rice in the summer. <laughs> mm. I was looking at the word David Moyes on my screen. David Moyes actually said, uh, undoubtedly he's going to be a top player, and undoubtedly he'll be a British transfer record and more whenever he leaves West Ham. I mean, there seems to be a lot of talk about Declan Rice. Anyone heard anything out there? Anyone? Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, look, he was magnificent at the weekend at St. James's Park. He put in a virtuoso midfield performance. It was it was unbelievable. And, and that's what, 
look, David Moyes, West Ham, they're going to try and drive a hard bargain, aren't they? I think he is the best option available for that position. Well, actually, probably in more like Granit Xhaka's position because he sees himself as a box-to-box guy that can sort of... It is Granit Xhaka. He's replacing Granit Xhaka, isn't he, really? I think so, yeah. But it also is is an option if Partey's not there or to play alongside Partey. But um, yeah, no, he he won't come cheap, but I think he would be worth it. Um, I can't reveal my source. um, Can't do that. But I do know, I do know that Declan has been sounding out people connected with the club in regards to what's it like then? What's it really like? So, yeah, that's that, that sounds like a positive. <laughs> All very encouraging. All, I mean, it is, isn't it, James? When you hear it stuff is, like that. It is. I'm basing uh, my entire belief now on what Adrian just said from his unknown source. <laughs> <laughs> that seems wise. I think, um, I mean, I, I'm quite sure that I consider him the best option uh, on the market. If Arsenal are looking for a central midfield player this summer... I just think we have really seen as well the value of Premier League experience and he's amassed so much at such a young age. You know, he's he's a centrepiece potentially of the England team for the next generation effectively and he can do it all and I think he can play that box-to-box role. I think he can play that deep-lying role but the, the way in which I think he reminds me of Shaka most is the personality element. I think he's a leader. He's the captain of West Ham. But when you watch how he plays, you know, Shaka's defining quality for me is it's the character he shows, not just in sort of, you know, gestures or leading the team in a huddle, but the character he shows by his willingness to take the ball. And I think Declan Rice has that same quality of leadership where he's not scared of responsibility. And... uh yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. And, you know, what is the British transfer record? I think it's 100 million for a British player, for Jack Grealish. I don't know. I think that might be slightly optimistic on West Ham's part, given that he'll have 12 months to run on his contract at that point in time. But, you know, I, I would pay the chairman. Do you think the chairman at West Ham had a little word in David Moyes' ear? Just you know, mention, <laughs> Probably, mention yeah. the British transfer record. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't hurt. But I think um, it'll be a terrific signing for whoever gets him because he is going to leave... West Ham this summer and Arsenal have been very interested uh, up until this point and I hope they can see I hope they see it through I think he'd be one thing to add just just for the for the on the on the legal side of contracts and whatnot when you got all these clauses in there you know in the past when we've chucked in these clauses we'll, we'll give you a 30 million, but you get another 20 if we win the Champions League or we win the Premier League it hasn't really been that realistic has it but we're getting to that position where we can insert these these clauses, these bonuses, these these add-ons, as they're called, and and the selling club might be wooed by that because actually they they think we're a lot closer to fulfilling those kind of ambitions, particularly in, terms of, in terms of winning the league. So, especially with someone like Declan Rice uh, in the middle of the team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. We know we've got some money to spend, which is good. And meanwhile, in Liga, uh, uh, Flo Balligan is top scorer. They've got some decent strikers in Liga, haven't they, uh, James? They've got, uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe, Alexandra Lacazette, obviously, who's joint second top scorer. Um, but Flo Balligan is having a fantastic season. 
we want a British transfer record if he's going to go anywhere. He's definitely a hundred million pound player. He must be. <laughs> I think if we talk about it enough, it'll happen. You know, I, well, it seems to happen with Mudrick. I think um, West Ham might want him. They need a striker. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he's been brilliant. He's done yeah. so well. I mean, I'm not sure I can recall an Arsenal player going out on loan and having quite that degree of impact. I mean, there have been some good loans. Jack Wilshere at Bolton, Charlie Patino's doing terrifically at Blackpool. But to go and play at the top division in France and score goals at the rate that Flo is at this point in time, absolutely amazing. And there's real quality to some of these goals. It's, it's goal against PSG, which came in stoppage time. The composure he showed to, to take it round the goalkeeper and find the roof of the net. The hat-trick goal the other day, you know, I think it was a left foot cushion first time volley into the far corner. He's always been a massive talent. And maybe some of the physical doubts that people had about someone like Eddie haven't existed to the same extent around Balogun because he's always been tall and had good sort of upper body strength. He really looks like a player and it's creating an interesting situation for Arsenal because obviously we're all expecting Gabriel Jesus back soon. Eddie's done really well this season. You know, what What does that mean for the future? Is Balogun, is there room for him in the squad? I, I think there probably is, to be honest, with Arsenal heading into the Champions League next season, probably wanting to go further in the domestic cups than they have done this time around. And also factor in the, you know, the capability of both Eddie, Jesus, Balogun. In fact, in their careers, they've all played out wide at times, particularly well, Jesus. I, this is exactly what I was going to ask. I mean, Adrian, they have to learn to be adaptable, don't they? But if they are, there's a place for them. At the Arsenal. For sure, yeah. Stylistically, they're, they're the perfect fit for Arteta's football. And yeah, that that one, two, three, Jesus and Ketia Balogun looks a lot, lot stronger now, doesn't it, than it felt a few months ago. Um, and Ketia, I think, has proven himself to be a player with incredible potential at Premier League level. And Balogun, I mean, Arteta... Can't wait, I'd imagine, to get his hands on him in pre-season now. He'll, he'll want to work with him, want to get see the improvements that he's made and and see, look, are you are you up to it? Are you going to be an option for me this season? And, and you'd imagine he would be. He would. He he was one of those guys. I remember my five-a-side lot, this is a few years ago, talking about him and saying how brilliant he was yeah. at youth level. Or, so. or... And there is the, the there's the Joe Willock scenario, isn't there? Get where, a lot of money for him. Whereby whereby Joe hits an unbelievable hot streak, and Arsenal decided, rightly in my opinion, to let him move on for a very very good fee to go to Newcastle United. So, if if Mikel Arteta does have doubts, then it, his form is is going to inflate that that fee if that's what he decides to do. But I think most Arsenal fans would love to see him get, get a chance uh, uh, to show what he's worth in, in the red and white of Arsenal. But yeah, he's been doing very well in, in the red and white of his current team. Uh, yeah, you know, this weekend started quite badly, didn't it really? But it seems to have improved as the uh, <laughs> the day or the day and a half uh, has passed. Uh, let's have a song. Um, I'm just going to go first, just because I just want to make it clear that I'm definitely not choosing Glory, Glory, Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just to let you know, there's a song, uh, even though I was pleased they won, but please get over yourselves if you're upset by any of that. <laughs> it's for the greater good. All right. We are the people's club now, and, and I think most people want us. Danny Kelly, broadcaster of some repute, a Tottenham fan, wants us to win the title. <laughs> 
So, you know, for one day only. Uh, anyway, I'm having uh, Keep On Moving by Soul to Soul because I think they've just got to get their rhythm back and we've got two home games. Just keep on moving. Keep coming in off the wings like you were doing uh, in the in the in the games before the Everton games and uh, we'll beat almost everyone at home is my heartfelt wish. Uh, keep on moving, Arsenal. What about you, James? What you got? Do you know what? I, I'm going to pick a song um, which uh, they played at Goodison Park, actually, after full time. And it's a song I really love. It's Mr Blue Sky by uh, ELO. And I was sort of sad because I was like, I really like this song, but I'm gutted that Arsenal have lost and it sort of ruined it for me. And then I was driving home uh, this afternoon and I was listening to the radio and they did the, they went to the news and they were like, and in the Premier League, Tottenham Hotspur currently lead Manchester City by a a goal to nil. And then they went back to the presenter and they were like, and now Mr. Blue Sky by uh, Electric Lux. So I was like, perfect, perfect. (laughs) All turned around, sun stood out, beautiful. Oh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> um, see, miracles do happen. That would yeah. be a movie movement, actually, is what that would be. Um, <clears throat> for anyone who's familiar with William Goldman, the writer, he would talk about that. Adrian, what you got? Yeah, I'm going for Calvin Harris, uh, the song he did with Khalees. Um, good look, good tune. Uh, bounce. Because we got done by the new manager, Bounce. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But Brentford at the weekend is the chance to to bounce right back. So that's the word in my head at the moment. Uh, and it's a good tune. And I'm coming on your show, aren't I? Yeah, Breakdown uh, Live on Saturday. On, on Saturday, yeah, let's give it give it a quick Two plug. thirds of this handbrake show can be seen. Yeah. Hopefully celebrating two, uh, on uh, Two Saturday. o'clock, yeah, two o'clock on the Arsenal website, the app, get involved. Is that what time I've got to get there? Uh, get there before one, if that's all right. Oh, and, right. <laughs> before two, if that's all right. All right, we'll right. talk about that. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, thanks to Adrian, thanks to James, thanks to Abby, our producer, and thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Ian Stone, this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See ya. Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of Athletic subscribers? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Our lot are great. They're intelligent. They have demonstrably long attention spans for all of those long reads. And that means they're almost certainly the ABC ones you're looking for. Imagine your brand front and centre on the Totally Football Show. Or Talk of the Devils. Or Football Clichés. You can advertise with us now. Our highly skilled and effortlessly charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you, whether you want a single ad on View From The Lane or full title sponsorship on our Women's World Cup show. We've got something for everyone. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.